Hey there, this is Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. I am Shanda Sung and I'm a comedian. And I'm Ashley Morgan and I'm a farmer. We have been best friends since we were nine years old. Welcome to our show where we teach each other all kinds of things that cover our wide range of knowledge and interests. And today's episode is about urban legends. I like our urban legend, mystery, haunted, spooky stuff. <laughs> I know. I know. I do, too. I think I think the listeners like it. You know, entertaining from a safe distance. Yeah. Not too real, you know. Not too spooky. I do. I think about Mothman a lot. Anytime It, it seems like now that I know about Mothman, it just kind of pops up in my life mm-hmm. a lot more. I'm like, oh, hey, Mothman. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> but that's... Oh, we didn't, we never really decided if that's a good or bad thing. Is he trying to warn me of something? I know. Or is he bringing doom? Uh Uh-oh, I'll keep you posted. (laughs) (laughs) So did we have really any urban legends when we were growing up? I'm sure there were. You know, we lived in a small town that had been around for a long time and was very sort of into its own history. Mm-hmm. So there had to have been something, but I can't think of anything. Yeah. So it wasn't scarring enough to be burned into my psyche. I'm pretty sure that our town was established in like the 1830s. And I remember down the road from where we lived, there was an old schoolhouse And I remember that place being a little creepy. I think they've since turned it into apartments, which is not nearly as spooky anymore. But but when I was little, I went to a neighbor's house, which Mm -hmm. for those listening at home, ours was the type of town where the kids played throughout the entire town. And you'd run through people's yards and nobody cared. As long as you weren't destroying shit, everyone just kind of like, oh, there goes Ashley and Shanda running around again, or there's all the neighborhood kids playing (laughs) tag and running through my yard. But for the most part, we could play in the entire town. And when I was really little, this might have actually been before you moved to town. I was on the other side of town playing with a couple of kids, and we found this... I think it was like a well or a cellar of some sort. And the Mm -hmm. concrete slab had broken so we could see down in it. And we kind of went down into this, I don't even know what it was, little cavern, covered cavern. And there were broken bottles and like old ones, though, with the rounded tops and had corks in them. And I don't know if we found like an old storage cellar or root cellar or whatever it was. But I remember it being really, really creepy and spooky down there, especially because we found a lot of these old artifacts. I don't know that they weren't like, I don't know if they were like 1800s artifacts, but they seemed really old, old bottles, but they were all fragments and they were super tiny, like almost like little medicine bottles like you used to see. Yeah. And... I wish I wish I had a better recollection of it because now as an adult, I would find that so fascinating. I would yeah. do the research. I would I would look it up. I'd look up to try to find out how old those bottles were. And but when I was a kid, I was like, oh, it's spooky. This place is haunted. Somebody probably died in here. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe that's why I thought the movie Stand By Me was a horror movie. 
because of my childhood. <laughs> it wasn't until I was in my 20s that someone told me, like, that's not a scary movie. I was like, it's absolutely a scary movie. They're like, but it's not a horror movie. It's not in the horror genre. I was like, okay, but leeches and a dead kid and fatty almost got hit by a train so uh yeah it was terrifying to me when i saw it as a kid <laughs> yeah. so i don't know if that yeah because we, we would something. have those kinds of adventures yeah. you know so yeah we were always wandering around and getting into shit living in a town that small and just sort of having run it was definitely like the first 20 minutes of any horror movie mm-hmm you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Look at these kids having innocent fun, independent on their own. Oh, a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> How nobody in our town got murdered while we were kids. I don't know. But yeah, that we know that of. we know of. Yeah, I don't really remember any urban legends growing up. You know, there was always the like ghost stories that you tell the worn out, you know, Bloody Mary saying it in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we did that. And. But um, I did when I came to came to Bloomington to go to IU. It was probably my sophomore year. Some friends of mine had gotten wind of the Steps Cemetery, which is nearby here, and it is supposedly haunted. It is a very old cemetery, and uh, we did go to that late at night and try to have a creepy experience. But it was. Just creepy because it was a cemetery at night. <laughs> I didn't have any supernatural anything. So I don't know. I guess I was too cool to bully. Not cool enough to bully by the <laughs> ghosts, I guess. I don't know. However you want to see it. But yeah, that was that was kind of an interesting thing. There's plenty of places around here. There are other cemeteries kind of in the area that have reputations. And um, any university is going to have stories about... Yeah lovelorn co-eds that you know romeo and Julieted themselves i don't know but nothing that really stands out to me the interesting thing about this episode is that one of our listeners my good friend michelle works at iu's folklore and ethnomusicology department and has worked there for a long time and knows a lot of folklorists who spend their lives studying folklore. And in fact, her former roommate taught a class on urban legends at IU. Ah, cool. Yeah, which I knew it and I kind of forgot about it. And then, so today I was sort of struggling with a subject for this because there's just so much. Uh And I wasn't sure what would be like kind of deep enough to go into. And then a few of the things that I was looking into... I was like, oh, this isn't an urban legend because the phrase urban legend, in my mind, at least, has gotten kind of convoluted into like anything that is misrepresented or has become infamous. And so I started out looking into Lizzie Borden, who may or may not have murdered her father and stepmother. And it's very interesting, and I hope to talk about it in a future episode. Mm-hmm. But it happened. So it's not an urban legend. <laughs> <laughs> it's all like, well, I guess I'm not doing that one. And then I was going down another path of another thing that was very interesting, which I hope to talk about in a future episode. But that is a conspiracy theory <laughs> and not an urban legend. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. So then I was sitting there kind of frustrated, like, how, what am I going to talk about? And I texted Michelle 
And I was like, hey, person who works with folklorists, <laughs> what's your favorite urban legend? And she fired off about 15 of them to me. And then we sort of talked about it. And she was like, is this for the podcast? Because she does listen. Ah, cool. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And you're probably going to hate it because I'm going to mess up some things and misrepresent what an urban legend actually is. But and she reminded me that um, her friend Jesse used to teach that class. And I was like, all right, urban legends part two. We're going to have Jesse on as a guest. Yeah. Yes. Because I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure what he has to say would be super fascinating. So that is the, the story of the journey of how I got to where I am. <laughs> well, and that's a nice segue. Do you want to go ahead and get started? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I Why guess not? we'll get into it. So, yeah, because I am first today. And um, I'm going to talk about, okay, I'll, I'm just going to tell it. How about how about we do that? So imagine that you're sitting around a campfire. You're a teenager. You guys are going to tell some spooky stories before you make s'mores. Okay. Okay. So there was a girl not too long ago. She was a friend of my friend's cousin. And she was at home by herself. She was really enjoying the time alone. It was just her and her dog. And... She was watching TV and she saw an alert that a serial killer escaped jail and was out on the loose. And so she gets kind of freaked out and goes to bed and her dog comes to bed with her and she goes into an uneasy sleep. As she's laying in bed in the middle of the night, she wakes up and she hears a dripping sound. Drip, drip, drip. And it kind of freaks her out. She gets a little nervous about maybe she should go up and investigate. But as she reaches her hand off the side of the bed, her dog licks her hand kind of reassuringly. And she's like, okay, I'm not going to worry about it. It's all fine. And she goes back to sleep. She wakes in the morning, gets out of her bed, walks into her bathroom and sees the mutilated body of her dog hanging in her bathroom, dripping blood <gasps> loudly. And written in blood on the mirror says, humans can lick too. Ew! <laughs> I was thinking that when you said it, but I was like, maybe I'm just a pervert. <laughs> like, So I'm not going to say it out loud and out myself, but... <laughs> You and uh, everyone who has ever passed along this urban legend are a pervert. So. <laughs> yeah, so that is uh, that's called the lick the hand urban legend. It's also called the dog lick or um, humans can lick too. And it's got many names, but it's been around for a long time. And it always has like the same sort of basic premise, but there are many variations that have popped up over time. Sometimes it's her ex-boyfriend was the killer who was out loose. Sometimes it's an old woman. Sometimes it's a young woman. Sometimes the dog is just dead. Sometimes the dog is horribly mutilated. Mm -hmm. It varies in different ways. It's been around for a long time. The first time it was ever in print was in 1871. Oh, wow. So that's how old it is. It popped up in a story in 1919 called The Diary of Mr. Pointer by an M.R. James. But that variation was a young man is sitting in a chair petting his dog 
and he is reading the newspaper about this student that he had had years ago that had recently died and he had been obsessed with the student and then it turns out in the end the head that he's petting is not actually his dog it's like the dead student I don't know it's super weird but that is sort of like a variation on the same story but that's what creates urban legends is these like variations and it's always the proximity Mm mm-hmm you know, it's, oh, I heard a friend of a friend of whoever, yeah. you know, this happened to. So that's what what allows it to spread so much because it has that familiarity. And there are people who study this. Like I said, there's a department at IU uh-huh. filled with people who study these types of things. The article that I was reading about it, and I'm sure... Michelle can correct me (laughs) whether or not this is true, is that they've come away from saying urban legends and it's more contemporary legends because it's it's not in an urban setting. They're everywhere. Yeah. It's not restricted just to cities where people are passing things around more these more like congested areas. With the Internet, there are, (laughs) you know, these legends get spread everywhere all the time. I guess I didn't even think about urban like the the word urban in the urban right, legend yeah. like i didn't even think about <laughs> and it what that means <laughs> yeah yeah so they've gone to like calling it more contemporary legends than urban legends and in order to make it that it, it needs to have believability in that it's not about a unicorn or a leprechaun or something kind of fanciful it's about okay it it's about a person who had an experience that could conceivably happen. It's plausible that it right, could have yeah. happened for real. And localization. Yeah. So it's nearby. It's a friend of a friend. It's, oh, it it's this, this creepy playhouse in town has a ghost haunting the wings. Or this library is supposedly sinking because it has so many books in it. Or... A girl I went to school with knows someone who named their daughter Ladasha, but it's spelled L hyphen A. Like that, (laughs) that's, these are all things that are, you know, it doesn't have to be about a serial killer murder. It's just like, oh, I heard somebody knows somebody. Like that's one that I've heard in several times. And like the book one, the library one, I've heard that one before. Oh, that library is sinking. Mm -hmm. And like that's. Yeah, but I think actually the IU library is sinking. I don't know. Maybe it's not now. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was. You're either, uh, now I need to investigate. You're either falling for an old urban legend that's been living in your in your subconscious for a while, or you're making up a new contemporary legend to start <laughs> yeah. passing around. Start yeah. start dropping it in conversations and tell people very convincingly that you know that the IU oh, yeah. library is sinking. Yeah. Well, that's a thing that I've heard from several people around town. And so now I'm wondering, because it was cited in this article, like, oh, the libraries at sink. And so I guess I've heard it about other things, too. Man, come on. You're part of the problem. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> but is it a problem? Like, they're harmless, you know? It's just, it's a it's a grand tradition of humans passing things down you know, by word of mouth and creating these stories for entertainment and some kind of value of like, I don't know, I I guess 
I can't say for sure what kind of purpose it serves to think about a girl having a serial killer lick her hand in the middle of the night. But I was going to say, you said it's harmless, but now I'm never going to trust my dog again <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't trust him any. He's sh- anyway, he's shady. <laughs> uh, he's up to no good <laughs> all the time. Well, just, you know, just know that if ever it smells like farts, it was definitely the dog and not me. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I believe you. I guess sure. we blame yeah. the dog for lots of things, huh? <laughs> Hand licks, stinky farts. Yeah. The dog always gets blamed. Yeah. The other thing about these contemporary legends is that they can spread this kind of weird fear. One of the other ones is like, which we talked about in our siblings episode, Ann Landers spread the oh, razor blades and the candy thing mm-hmm. that turned huge, you know, and that's sort of a contemporary legend, an urban legend. And so then people are are spending their effort checking candy. But it's interesting how people can be sort of motivated into these very specific and rare fears only on the power of a story that they heard about a thing, about a thing, about somebody that knows somebody who knew something. When humans will then also take what is a unknown risk. Like the thing that I'm thinking of is someone who keeps a baseball bat next to their bed in case a serial killer breaks in, but smokes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I am I'm afraid of this specific thing that is extremely rare and unlikely to happen. But this other thing that is known and well documented to be harmful to me, (laughs) I don't care. Uh, That's an interesting thing about about humans and how we behave (laughs) that I think that a lot of these folklorists kind of consider in their study of it. So I guess it's considered like a silly thing. We sit around and tell these at campfires or at sleepovers or whatever but it's a a feature of of living in a human society is that how these things get morphed like that story being printed so who knows how long it had been told Mm -hmm. in 1871 and it still can be considered like relevant and believable Mm. now Mm -hmm. is so interesting and other types of these legends that get passed around on the internet and then another thing that i was reading was like well when the rise of the internet came there was some question of okay are these urban legends going to die because people have instant access to all the research they need to debunk them but we realized that people don't care. And <laughs> so, it's just a resource to get those stories out there to a larger audience at a much faster pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're getting spread even faster and you'll see them going all around. Or, you know, you'll see something get posted on Facebook or whatever. But you're not going to take the time to open another window and look up Snopes. And find out if this is true or not. And it's... You and I probably might. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I have done that. And I have put it in the comments on some articles that I've seen. Like some Facebook friends post. I'm like, all right. My aunt will post something and I just... Oh, here's the Snopes article that says that that's not true. (laughs) 
So, I mean, I guess there's some of it, but early fear that like, oh, internet will be the death of urban legends. No, because it's too easy. It it gets right into your psyche and and takes hold for better or for worse. I guess often worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, that is uh, that's my piece on on contemporary legends. <laughs> my apologies to the academics. As we continue to say urban legends in this in this episode. But yeah, it was it was an interesting it was very frustrating earlier trying to be like, why? Why is everything I want to talk about not an urban legend? <laughs> what the hell is an urban legend? Oh, OK, now I'm going to do research on that. Let's start with the definition. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I had to do. And then, yeah. And then uh, text some people who know what they're talking about. That's that's the other answer to that. That's how I do <laughs> do my research text my friends i can't think of anything tell me what you want me to talk about <laughs> help me <laughs> yes so yeah that that was mine uh i feel more enlightened i feel a little um academic yeah in a way same now that so, i know the definition yeah. of urban legend i'm not sure that mine qualifies anymore <laughs> you know what we'll take we'll it. take it we'll take it for the purposes of of this podcast we will bend the rules <laughs> If my story about Graham Parsons can be considered about national parks, then we can shoehorn whatever you have yeah. to say into an episode about urban legends. <laughs> we like topic adjacent. We like it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take it. It's in the spirit. <laughs> so, all right. Well, let's take a break and then we can pass judgment on whether or not yours truly is an urban legend. <laughs> awesome. All right. And we're back. So my maybe, maybe not urban legend could maybe be filed more under mystery. But Perfect. I'm going to talk about the mummy of Sabina, Ohio. What? Yeah. <laughs> so Sabina is located northeast of Cincinnati, pretty much equidistant between Cincinnati and Columbus. Okay. Okay. It is a small town in rural Ohio. So this is a rural legend, not an urban legend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The story of the mummy of Sabina, Ohio starts on June 9th, 1929. An African-American man is found dead in a ditch just outside of town. There was no obvious cause of death or indication of foul play so they just ruled it natural causes now this man had no id on him so they had no idea mm -hmm. what his name was when the police asked people around town if they had seen this man it was speculated that he'd come around looking for work that he was a drifter but other than that nobody mm -hmm. really knew who he was he wasn't a local the coroner or the guy at the funeral home whatever his title mm -hmm. was Speculated Jeremy Nobody. <laughs> Jeremy Nobody. Speculated <laughs> that he was around 50 years old. Couldn't confirm it because he had no ID, right? However, mm -hmm. police did find a piece of paper in his coat that had an address on it. And it was 1118 Yale Avenue in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. So they called up Cincinnati police and pretty much said, hey, we've got a dead guy. In our funeral home, we don't know who he is. 
we have this address. Can you go check it out and mm-hmm. either tell his family or figure out who he is or what whatever's going on? So Cincinnati yeah. police go to this address and it's a vacant lot. What the hell? Hmm. So they ask around the neighborhood and the one neighbor that they talked to, his name was Eugene. And he had pretty mm-hmm. much said, you know, I don't really know that guy. Sorry, I can't help you anymore. Since they had talked to a guy named Eugene, they nicknamed the dead man in Sabina. They nicknamed him Eugene because that was the only <laughs> name they got, even though it was a guy they had talked to. Yeah. So they're like, well, we'll just give him this nickname until we can figure out who he is. Yeah. So the coroner went ahead and embalmed him and mm-hmm. they laid him on a bench in a shed outside the funeral parlor. It was out in their yard. It was this brick small shed that had some sort of like bench platform in it. So they laid him out on there and they asked people in town to come take a look and asked to see if anybody knew him and could identify him. So instead of like a a wake or a viewing, you can't do this like in the actual funeral parlor. You got to send people out to the shed with the garden tools. I guess. I don't know if there was anything in it. Super weird. So he stayed there for a little while. In fact, Mm -hmm. Sabina was a bus stop along the route between Columbus and Cincinnati. It was a place where they would stop and get refreshments, take breaks, things like that. So they put signs out by the bus stop and asked people, travelers, to come look Mm -hmm. at Eugene, hoping, again, to identify him. They figured, well, we have enough people coming from Cincinnati, to and from Cincinnati, that perhaps somebody will know who this man is. We get enough foot traffic. Hopefully somebody knows. That's kind of crossing the line from like seeking information to like roadside attraction. That's exactly right. They had really, really good intentions, right? They had good intentions of we just want to make sure this guy gets home if he has family, make sure that we have a proper name for him. We want to do right by this guy, right? Initially, that's how it started out. But he did. Mm. He became a minor roadside attraction. People would take pictures of him, pose with their kids with him. It was, it was nuts. He stayed in that spot for 35 years. (gasps) 35 years he stayed in that little shed and people came to visit him oh my gosh yes that's some ava perone level embalming you know man we love post-mortem adventures on this show we do (laughs) i requested one after the last episode yep at the end of the last episode so he does go on adventures because in the early 60s High school and college teens would kidnap him <gasps> no. and take him on joy rides. And one morning, police found him on a park bench and hauled him back oh. to his spot. So the mayor and the director of the funeral parlor and police in 1964 kind of decided, you know what, we're going to go ahead and bury this guy. Yeah, this has gotten out of hand. Yeah, it's it's gotten out of hand. Nobody's, the kids are not being respectful of this guy, which he's yeah. been there their whole lives. Since before they were born. Yeah. yeah. They, they don't know a life without this guy sitting in a shed. 
So, of course, they don't take it very seriously. So what started out with very good intentions of just trying to get this poor man identified turned into a little bit of a freak show. You know, just really disrespectful to this poor man who sat there for 35 years with getting his picture taken and getting disrespected by tourists and then teenagers. And so in 1964, it was finally decided that they should bury him. And he is buried in Sabina Cemetery with a small in-ground placard. Like a headstone. So mm-hmm. it's decent size, but yeah. it's in the ground, lays flat in the ground. And it, in quotation marks, says, Eugene, found yeah. dead, 1929, buried, 1964. Wild. That poor guy. <laughs> I know. Wow. I wonder, I don't know. I guess there would still just be no way to identify him even now. Yeah. You know, to find, like connect missing persons reports or whatever. So, um. of course, this bizarre story was written about in newspapers, travel magazines, books, yeah. those books that are like Weird Ohio, Weird Colorado, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. the Weird series. Of course, he was written about a ton. He was shrouded in some mystery, but also a little bit of humor around it in the things yeah. that I read. There was some humor to it, and I don't know. I don't want to sound like a a prude or a, a snob, but I didn't really find it that funny. No, I yeah. mean the poor guy. Like I just, it, it it is maybe a little funny, but it's also incredibly disrespectful <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to put him on display in a shed and then get kidnapped by teenagers and. A 35-year-old mummy in the back of a car and they're, like, joyriding with him. I'm like, oh, God, put that poor guy in the ground. Like, geez, Louise. Yeah. Give him a proper burial. (laughs) Like, oh, my gosh. So, yes, it was was a little bit of a mess. (laughs) An interesting thing, and this is where kind of the folklore, urban legend kind of comes in. Mm -hmm. In 2016... A writer from Cincinnati named Paul Strickland wrote a play called 13 Dead Dreams of Eugene. Mm-hmm. And it was fictional, but based on his story. It was a fictional account of Sabina residents having nightmares after he yeah. was found dead. Him sitting in that shed was causing people nightmares and it had this generally spooky eerie air about it so it was this stage play and they did shadows and eerie music and it was supposed to be really spooky and Mm. also you know not only was eugene a tourist attraction and fun pranks for teens but people would also dare each other to go see him at night Oh, yeah, of course. So there was this mystery of not only who is this guy, he's a drifter, he's looking for work, but then there's also that, oh, he's a corpse sitting out on display for everyone to come Mm -hmm. look at. And then he's mummified a little because he's embalmed and he's been sitting there drying out for 35 freaking years. (laughs) Yeah. So there was this bit of eerie spookiness to him, but then also that air of touristy 
this isn't a real thing and I don't care and I don't respect it. And so, yeah, that is the unfortunate and (laughs) kind of sad story of Eugene, the the poor African-American man that was found dead in Sabina, Ohio in 1929. That is sad. That reminds me. So it reminds me of um, something that I came across in my many world travels. Um, <laughs> so in 2009, I think, my brother was moving from California to Florida and he needed some help getting his his car. Well, he was bringing his truck with a car on a trailer. This is n- totally extemporaneous and not important to the story. He's bringing some <laughs> shit back to Indiana from California and he hit me up and said, hey, do you want to come with me and we'll drive cross country? And I said, yes. So I flew out there. We did this twice. The first time we did it is the time that I'm talking about. We took a Southern route. So we went from Southern California down into Arizona and New Mexico and Texas. And then we came up through Oklahoma and Missouri, Illinois, Indiana. While we were driving, we were in Southern Arizona and we're going down the interstate it's barren and we're just seeing sign after sign advertising the thing you can't miss the thing come see the thing the most amazing roadside attraction you'll ever see and this is over and over and over again for miles for like Hmm. hours we're seeing this come see the thing come see the thing and finally i'm like i gotta pee you gotta pee let's stop And so let's do it. Why not? We're on a road trip. Why not? So we pull off and it's in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of deserty around and it's uh, a series of sort of like shacks kind of all put together. And we go in one. You have to pay like three dollars. You go (laughs) in through a gift shop that has all kinds of everything, not just specific to this. It's just, you know, like all the roadside tchotchkes Mm -hmm. and um you pay your three, two or three dollars and go in and it's a series of like shacks that you walk through and it's kind of maze like and it has exhibits of weird stuff like wood carvings of, of like kind of gruesome stuff. And then they have a, a car, an old Rolls Royce that they claim was driven by Hitler How that would be in Arizona at a roadside attraction, (laughs) no idea. Just super weird stuff, strange statues, all kinds of like unrelated to each other things. But the whole time it's there's like these big painted footprints on the floor, like this way to the thing. And we're going and we're just like, this is crazy. And this is 2009. I really wish we had gone a little later where we could have like Instagram lived this whole thing or something, (laughs) or at least taken a bunch of pictures because we did not take very many. I had like an old, I mean, this was pre iPhone. So I had a like a two megapixel camera <laughs> on my phone flip phone <laughs> yeah i don't even know where the pictures from this trip are but i wish i had them because i took pictures of a lot of the exhibits but you're in this for a while you eventually get up to it and they have here is the thing and a big arrow pointing down toward it and it's a body Ugh. it's a body of a woman mummified under plexiglass And they call it the mother. 
and there's another body of a child. (gasps) And they call that the child. And they're like, witness the thing. And it's just, it's, uh, it's people. And it was the, the craziest thing. Like, Zach and I walk through all of this. We're like, what is this going to be? Like, we're expecting like a, a jackalope sort of like, you know, some kind of mythical thing. And we get there and it's people. Oh, and no. And we just look at each other and we're like, what the fuck is this? And we've been kind of like taking pictures on our crappy phones of some of the other things. Like, look at this ridiculous thing. This was driven by Hitler. Okay. And we just get up to it. And I'm like, I can't take a picture of this. Oh. No. And he was like, no, me either. And it was just so unsettling and we just looked and there's no story of who these people were or where they came from or where they were found or what happened to them no information at all and i i've looked it up since then and there's you know stories like oh they were you know years and years ago they were crossing the border and some bandits killed them and mummified them or something like but i don't think anybody knows i think some rancher probably found them on his property Mm -hmm. and sold them off to whoever and like it's probably been there for a really long time but we just walked back and got in the truck and looked at each other like you know, we're just laughing our asses off the whole way through this thing. Like, what is this nonsense? What is this place? This place is so strange. And then to get smacked in the face was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I was totally expecting some sort of, like, taxidermied animal in the shape of, like, a Sasquatch or something. Like, like a, yes. something weird like that where it was fake. It was yeah. silly. But they're trying to pawn it off like a jackalope. You know, they're trying to pawn it off as yeah. a real thing. Ha ha. Okay. What a quirky little thing. But ew, yeah, dead bodies on display. What the hell? Yeah. And for them to just be saying the thing. For one, it's two people. And like, it's a per- I like I guess less people would stop if they knew that it was going to be gruesome like that. <laughs> hey, come you know? see two dead bodies. No thanks. <laughs> see? Yeah, I mean, you'll get clientele, but not the Yeah. <laughs> not the same number. Like what a, you know, if I take, I don't know, taking my kids through that, like, oh, look at this fun thing we're going to see. It just, it was so jarring. Yeah. You, you know what you do? You <laughs> out creep the creeps and you go up to whoever's running the front desk or whatever, whoever's, whoever's monitoring the cash register and you're like, hey, what do you give me to have sex with that? <laughs> or what, what can I give you to have sex with that? Come on. What, uh, come on, look at it. Can we... Can we do this or what? Actually, the worst thing about it is, you know, I, I say that as a joke, like out creeping the creep. But in a place like that, it sounds like he'd be like 20 bucks. 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, ah, now I did it. Now I oh, did it. Oh, no. That is so disrespectful, though. Like, yes. Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. Sp- speaking of disrespecting dead people, I have... Uh, a similar kind of not similar story. I was in New Orleans not long after Hurricane Katrina. This was back mm-hmm. when I was a flight attendant and I had an overnight there. And the other flight attendant and I wanted to go to downtown New Orleans. We were there for a long mm-hmm. enough time. And we got a cab. This was before Uber and Lyft. We got a cab mm-hmm. and we were talking to the guy and he was 
really protective of us. You know, he was saying, don't go here. It's unsafe. You can go here, but, you know, stay in this area, blah, blah, blah. He's like, it's just wild right now after the hurricane. Everything's all topsy-turvy. So we Mm -hmm. were talking a little bit about the damage and the devastation. And he was like, well, he's like, if you don't mind, he's like, let let me drive you through – a neighborhood real quick and you can see where the water level went on some of these houses and you can see some of the damage. And the other flood attendant was like, you know, yeah, okay, let's do it. No big deal. So we go into this neighborhood and sure enough, you could see like spray painted X's on the doors and each segment Mm -hmm. told you like how many people had been in there um, and kind of what happened to him. It was some sort of like little code and I don't quite remember, but he stopped in front of this house and he said, Oh, this says that there was a two adults and two children and they all died. And mm. I was like, oh, that's so sad. And then we were like, you know, you can see that the windows are boarded up, but you can see where the water line came up halfway up the door or whatever. And I'm ex- sitting there expecting like, oh, OK, we're going to we're going to go drive off and keep keep going. Him and the other flight attendant got out and went <sighs> into this house Oh, my gosh. And he was like, he's like, let me show you like inside what this looks like. And I don't know why we trusted this guy. I don't know why she went into this strange house with this man. But I was like, I'm going to sit out here. I am not comfortable going in this house. You just said a family lived here and they died. I don't know if they died in the house or during rescue or as they were evacuating or what. But. I'm not going. This is someone's house. This is yeah, a person's this isn't house. I'm not going to museum. This is yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to go look at their furniture and their pictures on the walls and their, you know, dishes on the counter. Like I'm not going to look at that stuff. So I sat out there and it was very emotional and very uneasy for me to sit out there mm-hmm. while they did that. And then you know they were only in there for like five minutes. They came out and then we went, we went along our way, but. For me, it just felt really disrespectful to go into someone's yeah. house like that. And like, I know it's abandoned. Yeah. I know it's damaged. It's probably going to be demolished. But ah, come on. Like three weeks ago, no. there was a family in that house. I didn't like it at all. So it's it's amazing how how disrespectful people really can be <laughs> with yeah. with human remains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, this episode took a dark turn, huh? Yeah, it did, didn't it? <laughs> it's because we're talking about spooky things and... <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, we, we've had a little bit of everything here. We've got yeah. had a little uh, academic analysis. We've had uh, a little silliness, a little true, a little untrue, a little uh, creepy, terrifying... Uh, so- disrespectful. Telling other people's <laughs> creepy stories, telling our own creepy stories... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Is yeah, that was a fun one. So, um, where can we find out what you got going on? So, I don't try to do anything too spooky on yeah on our social medias, but please don't. I, I'm fragile. <laughs> I like good, wholesome, fun, funny content. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I got to keep that joy to keep the darkness away. <laughs> so if you want to see fun, wholesome animal, mostly animal content, you can go to our TikTok and Facebook, which is Crimson Moon Farm. If you want to check out our products, our YouTube videos and find some recipes, you can go to our website, which is CrimsonMoonFarm.com. What about you? Do you mm-hmm. have uh, any events coming up? 
Yeah. You know, I you know, I'm always doing stuff. Always doing stuff. You're a busy gal. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So coming up, I think uh, the next thing I'm going to be in April 14th, 15th, 16th, I'm going to be at uh, the Laughing Tap in Milwaukee. And I've got some things uh, in May. I'm going to be at the Drop Comedy Club in South Bend. And I've got some stuff happening in between those things. And I've got some things booked for fall. So I'm going to be very busy. You can find out about everything I'm doing and where I am on my social media because I'm on there all the time. <laughs> so you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Shanda Sung and on Twitter at Shanda S. Panda and uh, on TikTok. But I'm mostly lurking there, so you don't need to follow me. <laughs> Are you lurking on but, Crimson Moon Farm? <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. I'm watching you drop it in the barn. <laughs> I did. I did. And, I did do. Uh, a, I did do a trend. I did do a TikTok trend. To- yeah. totally. It's a good one. Yeah, not not so good for like our 35 year old knees. I drop it. I don't get back up very easily anymore. Yes. So if you want to see a funny video of a lady in her mid thirties dropping it low, I did the drop it challenge and uh, (laughs) it took me so many takes to do the one with the chickens because they are unpredictable and ridiculous. (laughs) So by the end, my quads were burning so bad. <laughs> I was like, oh, I am too out of shape to do these TikTok challenges. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can uh, you can find the podcast on uh, Facebook and Instagram at uh, what? What am I doing? And pa- <laughs> you can find this podcast that you're listening to right now on facebook and instagram at passing notes with ashley and shanda and uh, we post things about every episode that we do and you can uh, get a hold of us send us messages uh, tell us about your creepy creepy urban legends that you like some weird place that you ended up where you're like your red flags are going off and uh, yeah tell us about that so and if you have any suggestions for for things that you want to talk we want to hear us talk about on the pod. We're always down to hear those. So contact us there. And um, overall, I hope you share this show with your best friend. Absolutely. Like every week, I want to thank my husband, Tyler, for recording, producing, editing this show. I want to thank you all for listening. This was episode 49. Was a spooky one. It's not even our Halloween yeah. episode. What are we doing? <laughs> we're just spooky people. We're just we're coming into spring and we're making it dark and gloomy. <laughs> For Shanda Song, I'm Ashley Morgan. Join us next time on Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. All right. Sorry, I'm not watching. Okay. Hold on. I'll, I'll start over. <laughs> this is going to be great. It's going to be one of the best ever. I can feel it. <laughs> Okay, all right. Are you ready, ready? Yes, I am ready, ready. (laughs) Okay. Oh, shit, hang on. No, I'm not ready. I forgot to to turn down my headphones. I was like, why is this coming through so loud? (laughs)